2: the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller.
3: We're back. It's the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast Wednesday, April 19th. And we're back here. We needed another dose of the Hitman. That's what we needed in our life. Hitman. I'm joined by... Mike Wright and Matthew Betts, I'm Kyle Morganoni, and on this episode today, our goal is to not trash the quarterbacks. Mike, I'm going to try to rein you in from just not destroying these guys. <laughs> uh, Look, I
4: like two of them. No, 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 no. Nay. I like three of them. <laughs> I forgot. Look,
3: even I forget how much I like Hendon Hooker from time to time. And And we're going to get to talk about those. We'll talk about the tight ends. We'll even talk about some strategy. But... I know you and I have been following this on the DFS embedding podcast bets, but does anybody, does anybody in their mama know what they're doing in the draft? Because these odds shift so much every single day.
5: You know, just when we kind of thought we were getting clarity in what the NFL draft might look like, we had a couple of mocks come out in the last day or two that just look absolutely crazy. Now there's a ton of buzz on Hendon hooker to be a first round quarterback. Um, so to answer your question, no, Kyle, we have zero clue what's going to happen, which I love. I mean, I love this time of year, the speculation, the question marks, and then it all happens on Thursday night, and it's, for Dynasty players, is so much fun. So I'm excited to uh, see what happens and see what we get wrong over the next two weeks. It's a difficult world where
4: the draft season, look, it's, I love it. It By now, you're like, okay, let's, let's go, please, let's get into the NFL draft. It, it, the draft season now starts to feel a little bit long. And I think we've reached the point now of the the mocks where we gotta get those clicks, boys, where not us, because we aren't we don't put articles out of like here's our NFL mock of what's gonna happen. But they've there's been so many there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mock drafts out there. So at this point, people are doing just absolute crazy stuff putting it out there of of just in case something really crazy in the draft happens and they go ha 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 see my latest mock I got that one thing right and it's it's a little unfortunate that this is how the economy works of it's an economy of clicks and yes. the crazier things are the more clicks you're going to get it's it's at this point it is not fun to put out a mock that is consensus
3: no not at all and I like the chaos but I embrace, like, we don't know what we're doing. We're getting information of what we think other people are getting with reporters. I wrote an article called NFL Draft Headlines and Misinformation. How to sort through the stink. Yes. And I it took me a while to get the right alliteration. Uh, you know, how to ponder through the poo was one of them. But I went with sort through the stink because there's so much of, This team likes this player. This team needs this player. This team's always done this. This team's never done this. This team's going to trade up. And I think when you look at mock drafts, my cynical side says there's very little accountability because once we get to May, we're moving on. But I think what we need to embrace is these prospects and what they mean for fantasy. So that's what we're doing on this show. That's what we're going to look up uh, with these quarterbacks. And I would say quarterback as a whole is a position where you can like a couple of things, but man, the NFL misses this, right? This is a position that is the most important uh, position in all sports, but the NFL just airballs this all the time, trading up for certain players that just quickly are out of the league. So, we'll talk about that today.
4: I also I stand corrected. I mean, I don't put out mock drafts. Apparently, bets a betting is, one. Uh, Matthew Betts is using my website to put up his mock drafts. I don't know who authorized this. It,
3: it so his because he, he
4: snuck under my radar.
3: His is a betting perspective of okay. Here's what the lines have said, and here's where they go. But I agree. I mean, we're, we're, can we trash uh, mock one 0 bets?
5: Yeah, it's it's, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> because what's funny is, it is, and I put this in the intro is this is not what I would do. This is not what I think is going to happen. Here's what the betting lines are telling us. Okay, so that, that's In the, good. Last, that's in good the last week, everything has just has changed so much. So I will have correction for Mike I will have uh, a betting version of this for people that are looking to make some money on that 2.0 out this week and we'll see what's changed and yeah, we'll talk about that on our DFS and betting show which drops every Friday
3: and we'll have a lot that changes over the next couple of weeks our final rookie mock draft which will be in the ultimate draft kit plus in our dynasty pass, our rookie rankings will be updated. We're always updating our production profiles, looking at certain players and how they fit in, including some new tools that we're playing around with. Uh, that Mike has kind of gotten off the ground. I mean, yes, yeah, well, we
4: have a comparison tool that we're still, you know, uh, flipping some switches, twisting some uh, dials, moving some levers, just trying to make sure that it's as predictive as possible. But I mean, even on the the early beta version, very exciting to to you know. It's it's it can be difficult because there's so many inputs and so many variables of like making sure I keep track of well I'm going to compare this player using these metrics and it's like there's so many that you can get in there so we're going to try and make that as easy as possible for our listeners for uh for the Foot Clan out there and very excited to get it out.
3: You can get all of that in UltimateDraftKit.com. I have a quick question for us, and this is going to take you back. Think uh think of your younger self. You know maybe be a little bit. You know, a little gracious because it's easy to look back and say, I was so dumb back then, and I am very smart right now.
4: Yes, this is the smartest I've ever been.
3: There you go. Might, is this the dumbest you'll ever be, though?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's really a scale that goes back and forth <laughs> <laughs> at, at each individual moment.
3: <laughs> Quick question is this, and I'll start with you, Betts. What is the biggest mistake you made early on as a dynasty manager?
5: Yeah, I think there's a bit of a misconception when it comes to building a dynasty team, especially if you're new, you think, oh, I'm going to create this just super team that in two or three years, maybe four years, is going to be elite and I'll win three or four titles in a row. Uh that does not happen. <laughs> it's very hard to predict what's going to happen in the NFL. Kyle and I weekly in season are talking DFS, writing articles, trying to figure out what's going to happen in seven days from when we get all the content. We're wrong all the time. Imagine trying to predict what's going to happen. In five years in the NFL, it's crazy and it's impossible to do from a dynasty perspective. So one mistake I see often is teams overvaluing rookie picks, rookies, and just get willing to get rid of 27, 28 year old wide receivers who are still going to be productive for you in a couple of years. So one thing that I've definitely changed over the the course of time is treating it more like a modified keeper league, if that makes sense, where I've got a good core that I want to build around three to five, six players, something like that. But I'm making trades all the time. I'm very willing to move on from guys and keep turning it over over and over again because what you think will happen in five years is a fool's errand. What about you, Mike? Sure, I'll, I'll jump in, and it's
4: drafting exclusively situationally over talent. And it even still to this day, it is very difficult. I know that the Dynasty players out there, you're sitting in the middle of round one, and – the the running backs like the tier is about to fall off, but you're comparing a running back who is in like tier two, who is a third round pick, to a wide receiver drafted in the first round. Now, wide receiver in the first round, yes they they don't always hit, but you, you get what we we are analytics in dynasty, we are numbers driven. The probability of a first round wide receiver hitting versus a running back drafted in the third round. Who's in? Looks like he's in a fantastic position. The probability still remains with that wide receiver, and situations change. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've brought up my Royce Freeman over DJ Moore many, many times because Royce Freeman went to the Denver Broncos. He looked like he was the starting running back, so the situation was great. And then, you know what? The situation changed a month later <laughs> because Philip Lindsay was an undrafted player who came in, stole the show. The the, the the coaching staff liked him more which that is so important for a running back you running backs you make make sure that the coach is like you this is a this is a pro tip we've we have told our, our listeners out there don't become running backs in the NFL don't let your children play the running back position because you're you don't make the money you get your body beat up but if you're going to do it make sure that the coach is like you this is just a life tip it's not just about what can you do on the field yeah bring bring that person some coffee you know be polite just make sure that they like you so that you can actually get on the field but then meanwhile the talent of these wide receivers that remains steady the situation around every single player in the NFL is always constantly evolving so it is a much better bet to go on the talent certainly situation will beat out talent occasionally but it's the probability of going Chasing the numbers of saying, I know that this will work more often than it won't. And it's still difficult because when when it doesn't work out and you're you're kicking yourself, oh, I knew it. I knew that running back in the perfect situation was going to be great. And I knew that this wide receiver was on a crap team and they're going to be a bum now. Just hold on, take a breath, because that situation could resolve itself literally in a month or maybe even by next year.
3: I I found, so the data that I found in my Looking back at rookie drafts, that's just, that's so true. That's like the number one thing from rookie drafts is we're, we too easily look at the situation and say, I know what this is right now. Sky Moore, anybody? <laughs> Sky Moore over Jahan Dotson? I, in a league, I was looking back at a rookie draft, and Sky Moore went ahead of Chris Olave. Oh my, good it, lord. I know, and Jahan Dotson last year dropped to the second round in yes, a lot of rookie.
4: Because the situation, like, oh, the situation is so bad. The Manders stink. You already have Terry McLaurin. He was a first-round wide receiver for a reason and he showed you this year
3: right all right i'll give a quick one here it's just the classic sunk cost fallacy i invested this pick in in a startup draft and therefore that's what this player is in my mind forever he was my second round pick. he was my first round pick so mike there's a little league called dino jr yes that uh i'm in with you yeah Uh, you guys have done okay recently I want to very
4: okay for the past three years. Yes, champ, champ, champ.
3: (laughs) So I played Dynasty right uh, nine, ten years now. But this was a startup draft we did in 2018, Mike. I want to read you my first couple of picks. You ready? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Also, if you want to join me and just light something on fire, that's essentially what I did. Here's my startup picks: Juju Smith-Schuster, Melvin Gordon, Carry On Johnson. Oh man. A.J. Green, (laughs) Cortland Sutton, and then the one after this is O.J. Howard. What would you tell me based on that startup draft how bad my team was?
4: Um I mean you you, you probably had some years of production like Melvin Gordon back in 2018, <laughs> you know?
3: Was he still on the Chargers
4: back then? He was then? still a Charger. <laughs> okay, so he had a year.
3: Bets, I asked you this question, how did I didn't even tell you this was my oh, team. I man. just said, "Here were the startup picks. How did this team do?" What would you say?
5: <laughs> I looked at it, I laughed a few times first, then responded to Kyle and said, you must be awful. <laughs> and he said, no, in fact, what if I'd, I've been pretty good, actually. What if
3: I told you, Mike, that this team won the championship that first year?
4: I would actually believe that because 2018, these players were, you know, they were all right.
3: Yeah, but long term. Was Green still on the, the still, Bengals? Still on the Bengals. Okay. <laughs> uh, and somehow this trash heap and my quarterbacks have been terrible. Has turned into a playoff contender four or five years. I've been the runner up. And here's why. Because that original startup draft cost, I could have easily said, oh man, but I gave a third or fourth rounder for Carrion Johnson. This is a one quarterback league. Instead, I just I took that cost out after the first year and just said, I'm willing to move on and not just associate that's what it is. So uh, I've gotten to make trades with this team and I learned over time that it's not just selling them for 50 cents on the dollar. I think some people swing to the other side. Like, I need to trade everything if things aren't going great. It's just making shrewd decisions, but not assigning that original. So, one of those deals was getting Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs early on. There you and go. So, there's some good things there. If you want more of our tips in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, we have 10 Ballers Dynasty tips that Mike gets to add in there. So, you can get that at ultimatedraftkit.com. But we are here, boys, to talk about quarterbacks. <laughs>
2: quarterbacks
3: this is the position that I've been excited to talk about this is what I love scouting Andy asked me this the other day on the footcast of what position do I enjoy scouting the most it's quarterback position interesting because I think people see the physical tools they see the Zach Wilson throws at the combine the Will Levis whatever uh, he's posted online and we'll talk about him in a second (laughs) But He's I like asking some stuff online. He, yeah, the dude,
5: posted. lots of stuff. The dude
3: is thirsty <laughs> for some online uh, stuff. Anyway, but I like asking the question of what am I not seeing, and how is this going to translate to the NFL? So, in our Ultimate Draft Kit Plus in the Dynasty Pass, we look at what a quarterback won in college. What what are the measurements we look at? So we're looking at like six two and a half, two hundred twenty pounds, and then do they have a breakout age of twenty where they post their first QBR season of fifty plus? Those are the statistical things, but I want to start with you, Bets. What do you look for on film when you are scouting the quarterback position?
5: Yeah, and it's, it's kind of tough to do, right? I mean, let's just get that out of the way first. The NFL gets it wrong all the time, so dynasty players are going to get it wrong quite often as well. And, you know, what I point that to is it's so tough to identify which guys actually will translate from college to the pros effectively. But when we look at, you know, what generally – It works and goes from college to the pros. I'm looking at uh, good decision-making, good pocket awareness, and mobility in and out of the pocket. And I don't mean Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson rushing ability. I mean, can they operate when the play breaks down? Because if they can't do that in college, the guys they're facing in the NFL are better, they're faster, they're stronger. So it's probably not going to work out too well in that position. I'm a little weary of these toolsy quarterbacks, quote-unquote, quote-unquote. Um. yes, every now and then you get Josh Allen, and it's incredible, and he's your it, dynasty every once, quarterback one.
4: Every once ever.
5: Yes, exactly. And a lot of the times you get Zach Wilson, right, who's making these incredible rollout throws against Ayer at a pro day, and people fall over themselves in the NFL. They take him second overall. We know how that goes. So I'm always more, uh, I guess, skeptical of those types of prospects. I look for the decision-making, pocket awareness, and mobility.
3: Yeah, with Zach Wilson, I remember doing his rookie profile and just saying this won't work because the amount of time that dude got at BYU, like,
4: yeah, his, his offensive line was elite.
3: Yeah, and so he basically could just sit back there, wait for players. And he had a couple players that were like NFL caliber players. He had Tyler Algier. Um, he had Dax Milne. Like he had players that were NFL caliber. And yes, like he can rip it. Like Zach Wilson, like has a good arm when he's you know everything goes as planned. So it's more of asking what what am I not seeing and what I wasn't seeing for him was. This dude's never pressured. So how's he going to handle when that shows up? For me, my favorite thing to look at is intermediate throws. Like if you can slay in the 10 to 20-yard range, if you're doing that consistently, those are the throws that move the chains in the NFL. If you're a quarterback that gets a ton of yards from screens, that scares me because those are manufactured and those are kind of gimmicky. And then I'll just say like, if a player can work through their progressions, they're not just a first read only player. I am super impressed by that. And, you know, spoiler alert. I actually think Anthony Richardson can do that. Uh, work through progressions. Can he be accurate is, is a different question. <laughs> so I know accuracy is a big thing for you, Mike.
4: Yeah. I look, that's the first thing I look for is an accurate quarterback. Cause I know NFL teams, they think they can fix anybody. Which uh, I want, conf- I want my coaches to be confident of. I can take a a guy who has the tools and fix it. Because if if a player doesn't have the tools, like if you don't have the arm strength, you that's not happening. You you, you aren't gonna train your way into having an elite elite arm strength if you just don't have it. And in the NFL, if you can't rip an out like a ten yard out and it's just getting getting picked off. Maybe that's you're not going to be a successful quarterback for very long. I mean, I love looking at the, the rushing upside, of course, because I look through fantasy. Uh, but you know, I I want quick decisions. I want a quarterback throwing a player open I- if possible. I want uh, you know. I mean, it, like, and when I'm looking at those things, I'm thinking, can this quarterback maintain a job in the NFL? Because if I'm investing in a quarterback, Superflex, you're using your top picks. You are bypassing some elite prospects. Like this is this is an interesting year because Bijan Robinson is already you know basically the running back one. It seems like in dynasty rankings, which is a little bit absurd, but he does seem like a can't miss prospect, and he will get drafted above quarterbacks in a lot of leagues in superflex leagues, which is wild because usually it's no matter what right. The the top two minimum, usually like top three quarterbacks, those are the first three picks just slotted in, and then the the players who have, you know, picks one oh four later, they're just scooping up elite skill position players. You're getting top tier wide receivers. Like, like the in a super flex, Anthony Richardson, you'll see him drafted in front of Smith and Jigba a lot. Right. And that's just like that hurts my heart because <laughs> I think that Smith and Jigba is going to be great. I don't know if he'll be a, a true wide receiver one, but I think he'll, at worst, will be a top-tier wide receiver two. And I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to make it to his second contract. like Unless things change drastically, which Josh Allen has broken things for everybody. Because when you think about Josh Allen, you think about Josh Allen right now. Go remember what Josh Allen was for the first two years in the league. It was awful it was uh, just his accuracy I remember watching him in the preseason and his very first pass was just I think it was a I think it was wide open Cole Beasley he just he hit the turf like three yards in front of Cole Beasley and it was I laughed out loud I'm like here we go here we go and yes he turned it around but quarterback after quarterback after quarterback do not turn it around the Arizona Cardinals that's that's my team I have watched us draft so many. Oh, they got the school the, the the tools. They got the skills. They got the huge arm. They did not have the accuracy. They left Arizona without the accuracy, and it just never came. So I get I get freaked out when guys don't have at least a baseline above average ability to hit a moving target or <laughs> place the ball where it needs to go.
3: And we're we're going to talk about these guys and, and kind of assess where they land. I mean. I did a super flex draft the other day with some of the Foot Clan, and it was interesting to see how the quarterbacks got pushed up, but pushed up because of what I think people are saying, like, oh, they're going to be the top first four picks. Like That seems to be in a direction where that's not going to happen now. And I think, I think the three of us would agree, at least one of these quarterbacks that we're talking about today is going to fall further than what people think, possibly two of them. In the NFL draft? In the NFL draft. Yes. And so that affects where they're going so when we get to these prospects i'm going to bring up hey in a super flex in a rookie draft where would you take them and i think Bijan, you know Bijan went one in the draft i did the other day i think it's totally fine to take Bijan if you want a high floor but um let's talk about this first one and these rankings are organized by mike's ranks because mike you're on the show that's right so uh this is my number one quarterback this is mike's i don't know if bets if he's your number one i think he's your two i've
5: got young at number
3: one, well, at number whoa, 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 We're talking about C.J. Stroud, brother. Yeah, yeah. Don't let, bring, don't yeah. bring up Let's, Rice. Let us yet. talk about. But he's not my one. <laughs> okay, let us talk about C.J. Stroud, Ohio State junior, or as he's better known as Coleridge Bernard Stroud IV. That's awesome.
4: That's an elegant name. That is amazing. Adjust the ranks. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. Bets, he's already number one. <laughs> can't get him any higher. <laughs>
3: just put him even higher. All right, C.J. Stroud. What's interesting about his story is he didn't have the same, you know, Bryce Young was molded from an early age. This dude's going to be a quarterback. And C.J. Stroud had like no QB training all the way through high school. And then he got to the Elite 11 camp, which a lot of quarterbacks do, and he killed it. And JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, was the one who recruited him to Ohio State and said, this guy's a baller, I want him. And so C.J. Stroud started rising through the ranks, eventually replaced Justin Fields after he went to the NFL. And all Stroud has done the last two years is put up insane numbers at Ohio State 85 passing touchdowns the last two seasons he checks everything you want from the production standpoint but we have to bring up that he played with arguably the best wide receivers in college football of all time like I I wrote the sentence down and then all time I think that's actually true like I think it could Could be be the best group ever Garrett Wilson Chris Olave Jackson Smith and Jigba Marvin Harrison Jr. next year and they probably have two other players that should be getting drafted next year as well so all of that to say. When we're talking about production, Mike, what do you like most about Stroud? Why is he your one? He, he
4: makes smart and quick decisions. And what's interesting is uh if you're if you're paying attention to, you know, the mock drafts and and the betting market, Bryce Young has catapulted to not just he's probably going number 1 in the betting markets. It's it's a lock. Kyle, do you have the current odds like last I saw he was like it was Bryce Young minus a thousand was that minus 1500 my oh my
3: god yeah like, and, and we could talk about we'll talk about that on the betting podcast but that is actually a wild number considering the the information that's gotten out there it's way too high in my opinion
4: sure but but the 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 point being the the people who are accepting money to gamble <laughs> uh, and they would have to pay out if they're wrong are saying no uh, go ahead bet all the money you want on Bryce Young because he's going to be the guy he's going to be the number one pick and I, I so that's that's just crazy of of how that has turned but so sorry but back to, to CJ Stroud he makes the quick and smart decisions i know he had a like, he had a, a pretty good offensive line situation going on for him as well so that that can be a, a little bit of a red flag but when at least When in my scouting, what I'm watching is it's not him just like sitting back there for eight plus seconds. That's hyperbolic. But when you watch Zach Wilson, there were times where he was back in the pocket, like building a house, making a sandwich, and then deciding, (laughs) oh, I should throw this football. Like that's not what I saw from Stroud. I saw a guy who had good protection, but was also making really smart and quick decisions. And accurate like going down the field when, when his wide receivers who are great they're getting open but you still have to hit them uh you have to hit them in stride and the, you know with the way that the NFL is is changing to be so scoring friendly the NFL wants high scores and they they're making the rules so that these these things can happen you still need a quarterback who can actually hit the wide receiver down the field and to me that's i saw that all the time from CJ Stroud and not not doubting what the read is not doubting this is the throw that i need to make and then forcing your way into the progressions it's good for a quarterback to be able to do that but i don't want a quarterback who is doubting what they are seeing on on the field and and hesitating and then ending up on the third one when the first read was the was there and it's going to turn into to a positive play so i, I love seeing all of that stuff from from CJ Stroud the the prototypical build is there. Yep. We've talked about this in the footballers' headquarters a lot of Bryce Young. He's, you know, to prototype, he's undersized. And we've had to deal with Kyler Murray, who has been great, but there's also you see there are some disadvantages of, of being the size that Kyler Murray is. Like it it turns into to a detrimental situation at times. So I like it's not to me that Stroud is just light years ahead of Bryce Young. It's just I think Stroud is better, and he has the physical tools just in his natural-born body to to be that quarterback position, so I have him at one.
3: Yeah, I so he's been my one. His tape against Georgia is arguably my favorite college tape I've ever watched of a prospect because – he did nothing wrong, basically. He rolled when he needed to. like he, Right,
4: and that that's what I see. Is I'm like, I, I see a guy who's not making dumb mistakes, and he's making the right decisions.
3: Yes, and, and all levels of the field. So there's so much that you can like there. Um, Betts, does it feel like he's just a high-floor prospect? Like, it's, it's hard to poke holes and say, this guy's going to be bad. Maybe not as high a ceiling as someone like Richardson.
5: Yeah, I mean, if everything hits for Richardson, obviously his ceiling is... Is head and shoulders above anyone else in this class but yes I agree the floor does feel safe and I say feel safe because we think that about quarterback prospects you know every now and then they just don't work out but on tape I agree he makes the throws he doesn't have to see it first to throw it he throws his guys open there's a throw and I was at this game against Penn State late in the game they're up uh, I think a touchdown like they have to convert a first down to seal it and the throw he puts on with the touch over the defender sees it before it happens that's an NFL caliber throw and he has all of those on his tape. And I also just want to say real quick, I know the big negative on him is, well, his wide receivers were incredible. Well, his offensive line was really good. Joe Burrow threw to Jamar Chase and sure. Justin Jefferson. He's pretty good too. So I don't know that it's necessarily something that's a negative. It is important to mention. But um, yes, I agree. Stroud is, is a great prospect. I'm excited to see where he goes, and I'm excited to see him play in the NFL.
3: Yeah, he was pressured on just 21% of his dropbacks. It's second lowest in the NCA behind Stetson Bennett. So basically, if your team is really good, it's probably because he had a good offensive line, but when he had a clean pocket, he was murdering. Thirty-five passing touchdowns, clean pocket led the NCA. So, yeah, I love Stroud because I love the high floor. I I hope he goes to the Panthers. Maybe he goes to Texans. If he went to the Colts, I think that's a better situation with Shane Steichen. So we won't kind of go there too much. But
4: let me uh, let me ask you this: of uh, because you guys are you guys are bigger college guys than I am. Where? And you may not have this, so this might be just a top of the head conversation. Compare C.J. Stroud to like Trevor Lawrence, where Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence, his situation, if you're if you don't re- remember everybody, was he was the number one pick, like seemingly almost before he took a snap in the in the uh, NCAA, and then he just he proved it over time. Of no, this is this looks like he can't miss quarterback prospect, and Dominant, just having great years, great years, and then becomes the number one overall pick. And he, we kind of had this debate when he was was coming out of of uh, of Lawrence versus Trey Lance because like Trey Lance was the raw quarterback but had the rushing floor, and you see that turn into well, that's better for fantasy football. It's, I mean, uh, there's definitely parallels to me of of Stroud versus Anthony Richardson, but Trevor Lawrence to me despite being looking like a can't miss prospect, it was can this guy turn into a top tier fantasy quarterback? And to me it was I don't I don't know. I don't know. That's why in my rookie draft, I took Trey Lance over Lawrence because I saw enough from Trey Lance and his situation right. well, going to the San Francisco 49 ers certainly helped me be more confident in him. But so where are you comparing Stroud and his fantasy possibilities to trevor lawrence
3: yeah i'll just say stroud's range of outcomes doesn't feel that wide to me like in terms of like i think you can get for a median outcome of him a five to seven year start in the nfl get two to three kind of top 10 quarterback seasons i think that's kind of his median i think his high end is like a joe burrow type where like he's a distributor he can run way more than people give him credit watch that georgia game but I think you know what you're going to get with Stroud. He's kind of been a slow burn from high school all the way through, but did everything he was asked to do and just can slay in the intermediate. So that's what I care about. Like, can he hit these throws in rhythm? Is he smart with his decisions? So I just, I think that he's a safe prospect um, where Bryce Young, we'll talk about in a second. Like the decision-making stuff is off the charts. I can't always like put that in my spreadsheets. Like it just doesn't work. Oh, now I remember. I had fallen
4: off my point earlier. The, the kind of the talk of the NFL draft now is, boys, you're hearing about the the S two cognitive yes. test. Yes, oh. yes. So, it's so this, hot right now. It, it it is super hot right now. I mean, I I guess this thing has kind of been around for a while, but somehow the public is now just being let in on uh, uh let in on this tip because we've we've always known about the wonderlick test, but that is. I feel like that's kind of been thrown in the garbage now for a few years. So the S two, maybe teams are leaning on it more and more as you know analytics. We we get our tendrils inside of the uh, the NFL and we start changing these football guys into be like, no, there's there's probably something to these numbers. Uh, but allegedly, Stroud did poorly on this test. Meanwhile, the some other quarterbacks did really well. And you like so the. The comparison that's happening right now is well, Brock Purdy last year crushed the uh, this test, and then you saw Brock Purdy as the last pick in the draft, but get on the field and you're like, oh, uh, maybe Brock Purdy is actually a franchise quarterback, and the NFL just missed. So, uh, so bets, how are you weighing the this new
5: information we're getting on this test that Stroud apparently did not do well in? Yeah, so the test basically is like a processing sort of thing, and I don't know the specifics of it, but basically the idea is like there's, you know, tests that help you are, are designed to uh, look at how you react to certain things quickly, and it's it's very quick, rapid decisions, so you can't really like think about it and then make an answer. It's boom on the fly. And when you think about NFL, so the the nine points. Face, sorry to cut you off, Betts, but the nine points. No, you're good. I'm seeing from this is an article from Pro Football Network.
4: We have percep- uh, perception speed search efficiency, tracking capacity, visual learning, instinctive learning, decision complexity, distraction control, impulse control, and improvisation.
5: Yeah. So again, kind of what I've looked at with this and how I'm thinking about it is if a guy scores poorly on it and it matches how they play, I'm a little worried about it. Meaning if on tape, I saw CJ Stroud just freak out and panic whenever things weren't absolutely perfect and then he scored terribly I'd say maybe that's just kind of who he is and he's going to take time to to get it and I know that against pressure he wasn't as great obviously from clean pocket but I still saw plenty of instances watching him play where he's able to like Kyle said in that Georgia game understand things are breaking down roll out make the correct read and make the throw so I put a little stock into it and it's not anything that's you know to take to the bank but one guy that scored incredibly well on it, which we're gonna talk about here in a minute, is Bryce Young.
3: All right, let's take a quick break, we'll get right back.
2: Dynasty players, if you are looking for the best dynasty information for fantasy football, you've got to get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. We have all the startup rankings, all the rookie rankings, super flex rankings are coming. Everything that you need, if you want to look at the, the prospects, the rookies, the veterans, we have details on everything. It is a proven tool to help you win in fantasy football. Whether you're doing a, a startup draft or you've been in a league for a long time, there is great information for for you you gotta check it out at ultimatedraftkit.com that's the udk plus at ultimatedraftkit.com
3: all right we're back it's Bryce young who everybody and their mom has probably talked about Bryce young is like a mess- You leave my mom out of this <laughs> she, she, does she like Bryce young she's a big fan
4: uh my no my mom doesn't know who it is
3: <laughs> put it this way Bryce young is like a He's a Messianic figure because he's been talked about since he was a baby boy. Matarday High School, that's where Amon Ra went. Your boy, uh, Matt Barkley, Matt Liner. Like, it's a big deal high school in terms of, you know, recruits, NFL players. He was a five-star. He was Are you the... going to
4: name, like, any good quarterbacks, though? No, just Matts. Just oh. a couple
3: of Matts that went there. <laughs> um, won the Heisman 2021. And if you watch Alabama football, which you should, and my family does, my sister went there, he... <laughs> Thanks. So, Thanks for that tidbit, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> he just always makes the right decision. And it's incredible to the point where you go, there's something that needs to go wrong here. But for Alabama and in the SEC, there's just something where this guy processes the field differently than everyone else. I know, bets, that's your like number one thing that you look at. And he's the elite playmaker that NFL teams want. You're just getting in a, in a bite-sized package where this dude – 204 pounds he's going to be the lightest quarterback draft in the first round since 2000 and the second shortest so putting those two things together russell wilson drew Brees are going to be the main comps that show up for people stylistically but for fantasy does is this going to translate right away or is it going to be a little frustrating bets right off right off the beginning on a bad team
5: I was gonna say, he's very likely to go to a bad team. Um, so it might be a little frustrating if you're thinking you're getting a quarterback one that you plug into your lineup every week. Certainly I think that's probably the absolute best case scenario. But I think that we're gonna see him come in. He's gonna start a bunch of games, he's gonna learn how to be an NFL pro. And like you said, you know, thinking about him, he's been the projected number one quarterback in the class, gonna be the one point oh one likely for years. People have thought that about Bryce Young. They thought that about Trevor Lawrence too, and you kind of have these these guys that are brought up to be the top prospect in the class and it doesn't always work out but sometimes that's a good signal of talent and you know again the height the weight those are the big concerns if he was six foot if he was one, there would be zero questions asked by anyone he'd be the first pick in the draft 10 out of 10 times by every NFL franchise that's there so I'm willing to I think embrace a little bit more risk with the outlier height and weight that he has because his film is so good he can make all the throws and like you said Kyle I mean his pocket awareness his pocket mobility the way he manipulates uh, the offensive line in the pocket is incredible Alabama's offensive line was not elite this last year like it normally is and when things broke down he didn't freak out and panic he was able to stay calm make the right throw so that to me is what I look for like you said and you know he's got some of the best tools in that aspect of his game of anyone in the class
3: Mike is there anything that you saw like you know Strouds? Stroud's your one Stroud's my one but is there a clear tear break between Bryce Young and then the rest of these dudes
4: uh, the rest of the quarterbacks yes yeah oh my goodness there's it's massive the big time the big tier like the argument of Stroud versus Young I think we're just some will prefer Stroud some will prefer Young the it remains to be seen here what the NFL thinks of these quarterbacks, but I mean, I'm old enough to remember when NFL mock drafts were very, very confident that Malik Willis was going to be a first round pick. Like up up to the moment the NFL draft started, and where did he fall? The fifth?
3: No, he, he was third. He, he third was, third. It was it third. third. It okay. felt like the twentieth.
4: Yeah. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> it felt that's when when someone's supposed to go in the first round, and then they fall to the the third. That feels like they they've fallen to the fifth, but the NFL, every team had a chance to take Malik Willis multiple times. They had the chance, and they said, "No, you NFL mock draft people are dumb. We don't want Malik Willis." I don't. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is him, but I'm saying let's let's cool the Jets of of Anthony are we moving on to Richardson are we still talking I, Bryce I Young? want to
3: throw this last thing out with Bryce Young because you know let's say he goes to the Panthers that's the betting favorite right now that situation the wide receiver room not great at Adam Thielen who's uh yeah,
4: they traded their one to go get Bryce Young
3: I mean they have a superstar in, in Terrace Marshall we all know that
4: is any any moment now he's going to break out
3: I mean DJ Chark I mean the, the weapons aren't we would say great by any means for fantasy miles sanders so like in year one like what what would you say young ceiling is and just like you know just first year for fantasy like is can he be a top 12 quarterback i no. feel like that's way outside of where no. i'm okay no.
4: it's it's not possible the it will be interesting to see how the draft unfolds but it's like the quarterback that goes two, which it could be stroud but then there's all these weird rumors of well, Stroud has the same agent as Deshaun Watson, and the Texans want nothing to do with that. Which, that is insane to me. <laughs> absolutely insanity that if an NFL team has done their evaluations, they go C.J. Stroud is a true franchise quarterback. Yeah, but I don't like his agent, so we're not gonna we're not gonna mess with that. We're just we're gonna bypass a franchise quarterback because I don't like working with that agent. That's that is absolutely craziness, but. Uh, I, I bring up that situation because the Texans then have another very high draft pick and they're frequently mocked now to have Stroud and then get Jackson Smith and right. Jigba, which puts CJ Stroud in a much better situation to start than Bryce Young would be in.
3: Yes. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson because right now Jason has him as his number one fantasy quarterback um, because of the rushing upside in the Superflex draft that I did with the foot clan. He went at the 102, so he went ahead of Stroud Young. Right now, I don't mind that, but the piece of information we're going to get is how far does he fall. he going to start right away. Anthony Richardson, local boy from Gainesville, Florida. He was the number one QB in the state. And if you really want to have some fun, which I did the other day, you can watch his senior season on Netflix, QB1 Beyond the Lights. No big deal. Oh, interesting. Um, so Richardson is a project no matter who you talk to. We need to realize that he enrolled at Florida early uh, in January 2020, and then uh, something happened all around the world in March 2020. So his introduction to Florida was a little stunted. He played behind Kyle Trask, Jason's favorite player, and Emory <laughs> Jones. So looking at Richardson, it's easy to say, like, okay, why did he not start right away? Well, you know, he was a project quarterback. But 13 starts, that's it. That's all we have to go off of. He went six that's and seven. That's great. That's not something that we like. We do like having the best combine performance of all time. So how are you weighing that bets of here's the metrics that obviously we love. And then I know Michael get into his film in just a second, but you could literally have so many different valuations depends on who you talk to says they need to draft this guy at the one hundred and one. like the Panthers need to take him to, Hey, this guy, we don't have a first round grade in the NFL.
5: Yeah. And this is the difficult part about trying to project what he, be and what maybe he will be in the NFL is anyone who thinks they're confident in what he might be I I mean I would take the opposite right I mean we just don't know because the range of outcomes is massive that said the best case scenario is he turns into a Cam Newton type of score for fantasy which hey if you're swinging for the fences in your rookie draft I totally get it and you you hope he lands the starting uh, job one day you hope he starts for your roster for six seven eight years that'd be incredible that's the best case scenario and if he does and he can develop as a passer, which that's the main concern. throw in the the rushing I mean he has in the best absolute you know scenario quarterback one overall yearly scoring in his range of outcomes. Is it likely probably not, but it's certainly possible, and I don't think there's really anyone else in this class that can give you that range of outcomes, which is why the fantasy community is so enamored with Anthony Richardson that said. The tape is not great, <laughs> and I'll let Mike talk about that a little bit more as a passer. He's just like. Here's the thing: in the
4: NFL, they're they're becoming more and more comfortable with these mobile guys who who can give you the dual threat ability. They can run, and they can pass. But Richardson, but every quarterback has to be able to pass, and you have to be able to pass accurately. And just just watch Richardson. See if you ever hit a point where he strings together like three great passes in a row. Because it doesn't happen, you will see. You'll see two horrifically bad passes, and then you'll see a ball. You'll holy crap, that's a professional quarterback throwing the ball. I can't wait to see what's next. And then zoom, the ball goes like five yards over the wide receiver's head for the next two concurrent passes, and you're like this. There is it so much has to be fixed 53%. That's what he completed. That's the amount of passes that you completed. If you're completing 53% of your passes in the NFL, you aren't starting in the NFL. You're not even close to starting. And that's, this is in college. These are not up against a, a defense full of professional football players. You're playing a couple professional football players on the defensive side of the ball so I'm just, I am so concerned that this is not a fixable thing and he won't be a long-term starter in the NFL. He's going to get drafted and we'll get an opportunity, but can he turn into Josh Allen? I'm going to put my money on that. He cannot. I, look, I would love it. This is this is not me hoping things go wrong for Anthony Richardson. This is my projection for my how I'm going to play dynasty and fantasy football. I would love nothing more for him to come in make me look like a fool and be the next Josh Allen cuz that would be great. The more great fantasy quarterbacks we have in the NFL, the better fantasy football is, the better the NFL is. But looking at the numbers, you know, third he so we have 2500 passing yards and 17 touchdowns. And here's the more concerning thing for me is you have 654 rushing yards for Anthony Richardson. That's what he logged and now Rushing yards in, in college are are can be kind of weird because they count sacks against your rushing yards. But uh, uh, bets you throw out the name Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton, very raw prospect. He re- he had basically had the one season, twenty eight hundred passing yards. That's that's not great. Thirty passing touchdowns to add with almost fifteen hundred rushing yards. Trey Lance had his season against weaker competition, but twenty eight touchdowns, no interceptions. And he had 1,100 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson, 1,500 rushing yards, 1,600 rushing yards to go along with 3,500-plus passing yards and a great touchdown-to-interception ratio. Richardson's numbers are not these players, and that's who he gets comp to. But he's he wasn't those guys on the field, and and, and not even – he wasn't kind of close. He's so far away production-wise – from those other quarterbacks who, well, Trey Lance, notwithstanding, we don't know yet is he good or not. We, The NFL, maybe he's good. But he's not these other guys. He's not Cam. Sure, size, speed, athleticism, he's close to Cam Newton. Production-wise, he's not even close.
3: Yeah, his, his production profile, and I, I got to highlight him. I did a full article, looked through all his film, and we kind of came separately to the conclusion of, like, I don't think that the equation that everyone's saying is, like, combine plus what I think he can be is going to equal success because like Mike mentioned like the completion rate and sailing balls high was pretty normal and I went through his game logs and then I went back and watched the film he crumbled in the fourth quarter by the way
4: like it was just that's not great
3: it was horrendous go watch the Florida State game Uh, his completion percentage on 17 pass attempts in the fourth quarter was 17% like it was really really bad so those are things he has to overcome Is a team going to give him those goal line runs where he gets seven, eight rushing touchdowns? Maybe. Um, I, I think that there's enough there. My comp is Vince Young, who could run the ball, had terrible completion percentage, won the rookie of the year, and within three or four years did not have a starting job at all. So I think that's kind of more tempered than where people are saying, like, oh, he's Cam Newton or he's Justin Fields. Like, he's not the accomplished passer that those guys were. So Richardson right now, even in a Superflex, Mike, if you don't believe, is he worth a top five pick in Superflex
4: yes have, he... having said all the 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 negative comments, assuming the NFL takes him with you know a top five pick you know because the the rumors of the Cardinals trading down you know allegedly six teams have talked to the Cardinals to move up, but we don't know if that's actually happened we don't know if that's for for uh uh, Mr. Back Muscles, Will Levis, who we're going to talk about. We don't know if it's for Anthony Richardson. I don't think it is. Like, I, I don't think anyone's going to move up to three to get him. The Colts have four. That's a prime situation to take one of the quarterbacks. But I am concerned that the hype that every that Anthony Richardson is getting and and carrying from the combine, I'm concerned it doesn't turn into a top-ten pick. And it turns into, like, a a middle-of-the-first-round pick, which is still good for a quarterback, but it is definitely the NFL is telling you we're not all
5: very sure that this player is going to work out.
3: What about you, Betts? Where does he – in superflex rookie drafts, where are you taking him? Where do you feel comfortable?
5: Yeah, I mean, I certainly would take the guys we talked about earlier, uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, above him. Personally, I understand if someone else wants to shoot for the ceiling – uh, but I would take those two guys, and I would also take Bijan and likely JSN above him.
3: Yeah, I think Jason would feel a little different. Maybe he'd split the difference. But um, if you want to shoot from the moon, he's a fun player. Yes. He's a fun player. I think Mike's saying he's rooting for him, but just based on the odds, you're not probably going to get a Josh And, and
4: I'm with bets that
3: if, if
4: he hits, then it will be you drafted him way too low. No, you could, if he hits in a super flex league, the 101 is too low. For, for what Anthony Richardson would become for your team. But, oh, man, I just – I don't – I don't see the path.
3: So, here's another player. This is Mike's rankings. He has him at four. I will bet against this player, so I'll That's go on the fine. negative. It's Hendon That's Hooker, fine. the redshirt senior out of Tennessee. He was a four-star recruit. He you was are a, an ageist. I am. I, I I can't stand people that are older than uh, 25. <laughs> I They're all – yeah, dude is old. Uh, he'll be 26 – Probably when he takes his first reps as a starter, he's older than Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. He was in the same high school recruiting class as Tua, who's now entering his fourth year in the NFL. So it's it's definitely something you have to look at and take his numbers in context. Uh, when he transferred for, from Virginia Tech to Tennessee, something clicked. The offense, uh, Josh Heupel, the the coach, like it's a really cool story, and I think his skill set can translate to the NFL. But my brain doesn't work when I go through the comps and I look at any quarterback that was drafted age 24 or older. He's going to be 25. That's just a giant red flag that I like betting against because it's just not a great list at all. Um, I will say the deep balls are pretty, Mike. Yeah, they are. I mean, like he throws a good ball. I think he's smooth in his release. I I like all of that. Um, Tennessee was a really fun offense if you got to watch them last two years. So the high-end comp is Geno Smith for me, which is good.
4: Which, which is like, what, is the quarterback six or something this past year?
3: How many years did it take him to get there? Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, look. He's in the second round. Don't worry round about that, NFL. Kyle. Yeah. Uh, w- and
4: who drafted him?
3: Uh, the Jets did.
4: Yeah, okay. The, the Jets, are, they don't know what they're – well, they're, they're getting better, but they have <laughs> uh, historically have not known what they were doing. All right, so I'll jump in here. He's your boy. Because he, he's, he's my boy. And look, even though Henry Hooker is my guy – I understand that the odds are against him. the The fact that he is this old is, is a gigantic red flag. It was uh, who was a uh, Brandon Whedon? Is that the right name? That's the old man Whedon, twenty eight. The, the, 28. Uh, the 28. guy. Well, okay, so older. So, uh, <laughs> but that was just that didn't really work out. And the fact that it would take so long for Hendon Hooker to really get things going, I get it. I, I get the odds are against him, and I get that he you guys kind of mentioned this last year a little bit that the the offense for Tennessee is gimmicky to 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 some people. I've heard the the phrase looney tunes thrown out about it. You know, just it, it's not good things. Not not complimentary things to say about the offense at least in terms of translating into the NFL. And a lot of, like Baylor. Baylor is brought up in the same type of breath of that's they had a, a gimmicky offense. Robert Griffin was going to work, like yes. Now, Henry Hooker is not athletically Robert Griffin. Robert Griffin was going to work if the Shanahan's didn't destroy his knee, forcing him back out into a game without an ACL, and then only to have it just get fully obliterated. So, my personal opinion of watching Griffin's rookie year was this dude was going to work out. He was going to ball. He was going to be a franchise quarterback, but then they made some really stupid decisions and they they broke his body. That so I think that Hendon Hooker can translate the reasons too. Is this you know why, why I talked about? C.J. Stroud of he's he makes good decisions. the The deep ball is it's truly an elite ball where he's playing with some really good wide receivers. But we're not going to take that away from a quarterback. And he's just and he makes the good decisions. Good decisions in a, in a gimmicky offense. Maybe that's a knock against him. But when I see a guy who's smart, poised, uh, a touchdown to interception ratio, which is ridiculous of the, the past two years, we have 31-3, and 27-2. That's a guy who's making really good decisions and throwing an accurate pass. So I'm in. I'm in on, on Hennon Hooker being a late first-round pick and then being someone that I want to draft in single quarterback. I'll draft him in my, in the third round and be super happy to sit and wait.
3: Yeah, the injury, I think, is the concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah
4: and the yeah Andy tore an ACL, which we didn't even mention.
3: No, but I'll let Betts do that since he knows those things way better than us. But teams seem to have a top 50 grade on him as just an overall prospect. So that's at least something that we can kind of bring in the mix of like, okay, normally we just say this guy's done. We're not going to think about him. But what what do you know about the ACL recovery?
5: Yeah, it was in November when it happened. So you're looking at for this year, you know, unlikely to be available and there as a starter especially considering he's going to be working in slowly this whole offseason so I'd be shocked if he's the week one starter for whatever NFL team he goes to but from a fantasy perspective we tend to see less of a drop in production for quarterbacks coming off this injury than we do running backs wide receivers and tight ends so it's something to consider in his profile I don't think it's anything though that should if you're into him you shouldn't take him off your board because of it
3: all right real quick if he goes in late first round early second is he a first round super flex pick? Uh, he's fringe right now. on the ones that I've done, where he's going back of the first, depending on if someone likes him, or or early second. I'd
4: say probably early second, and because it's going to be someone like, uh, like Detroit or somebody trades back into the first round, and like Detroit with with those guys, and getting to city year, let Jared Goff play play out the year, and then put Hendon Hooker in in two years. With Jameson and Amon Ra and, and then whatever else they do, like that would be really exciting.
3: Speaking of Detroit, I just placed a wager on this next player, Will Levis, oh to be drafted goodness. by the Lions because Will Levis is a high-T guy. And uh, Dan Campbell, <laughs> Dan Campbell loves that approach. <laughs> Will Levis, Kentucky senior, transferred from Penn State. So, Betts, I know in just a second you have a lot of thoughts of why <clears throat> he wasn't good and didn't play there and got beat out. Uh so you can talk about that. Um I did know this about his profile. He's from Connecticut and uh there's only been two relevant quarterbacks in the NFL from Connecticut, and they weren't good. So wait, so he was
4: bo- <laughs> you're saying he was born in Connecticut? Yeah, that- so that's that's part of why he can't be good?
3: There there's there's not a great pedigree of players from the Northeast that made it all the way through. Uh Dan Orlovsky, Trust the process, ESPN, Mike. Come on. Tim Boyle. So <laughs> Wait, Tim Boyle? Yeah, your boy. Um Will Levis, we can say a lot about him physically, and he wants to say a lot physically yes, about he what does. he posts. And then we just found this information, Bets. Uh, what does he like to do uh, with his banana?
5: He, uh, he he eats bananas with the peel on, uh, and also apparently puts mayonnaise in uh, his look, coffee. I could not be more out on a prospect I, I, hearing I will, that. I'm going to
4: jump in on those two things real quick. As someone who lived uh, the keto diet for two plus years, I can understand i'm not i don't know if levis is, is on that type of a diet but i can understand making that move uh because it's like back when i was doing like i would put like butter yes. in in my coffee i would put heavy whipping cream in my coffee because that's where i'm getting my energy source so i can at least be like <laughs> like if i squint my face hard enough i can see what he's doing eating a banana peel is just screaming look at me because it is idiotic, the peel comes off so easy. This is not an orange; like the peel just goes, whoosh, and then the banana is there, and all the delicious parts are available. You can even, you know, unfold it half, and then it it gives you a nice little handle, so you don't get your hand messy, messy on the banana. And eating the banana peel is just moronic. And red flag and it, oh gigantic red I've, flag
3: I've got a lot of red flags because you know there's some players that I like to hate against Joe Burrow famously just because the dude <laughs> that thinks didn't work he's, out for I you. know no not skills wise but he thinks he's too cool for school and he probably is he's cool this guy is a little bit on the tryhard side for my liking with this is
4: like Dollar Tree Joe Burrow uh,
3: this is this is Dollar Tree uh I put uh Carson Wentz or Jay Cutler who thinks he can run the oh ball. Oh my gosh. <laughs> His budget Carson Wentz? So, that is not a good place so to be. I, I'm not very kind to Will Levis. Uh, I think the NFL could feel differently and I wrote up a lot of stuff on the website rookie profile but bets. this is a five year college player who will be 24 when we get through the summer. He redshirted at Penn State and then he was behind your boy Sean Clifford who is not being drafted by any team this year. I can guarantee you that. So Why did Levis just, you know, sit on the depth chart and do nothing at Penn State?
5: Yeah, here's the kind of truth about his story. I mean, these other guys, right? We talked about them. Top recruits, uh, five stars, four stars, three-star recruit. Truthfully, Penn State didn't really go and recruit him. He kind of had his eyes set on Penn State, and he went there, and they said, oh, he's athletic. We can use him as like a wildcat quarterback. He never really attempted any passes in that offense. He just wasn't ready to be a quarterback. So he transfers to Kentucky, puts some good stuff on film in his first year there. Good year, but I have a major question. If he was good, if he was really that good, last year we saw arguably the weakest quarterback class in recent memory. I mean, Malik Willis, people thought he was gonna go in the first round, dropped to the third. One quarterback in the first round is unheard of. Why didn't the NFL tell him to come out after a great year? He goes back injuries loses a couple of playmakers and it's a disaster so I have major question marks about Will Levis's ability to be a long-term starter in the NFL I guess what I'm hearing around the league is like he had you know NFL caliber play calls and he could command the offense and the pocket and all that stuff oh, but he cannot man. command the pocket He's... sorry I misspoke not the pocket the huddle and okay, at the line of scrimmage okay. with With reads and stuff like that but yes the pocket awareness is atrocious I talked about how I value that with Bryce Young Will Levis to me if there's one guy in this class that I'm the most worried about adding to my roster it is Will Levis we do know that Will Levis is tough
3: yes
4: because he allows himself to just get explosivoed by cornerbacks (laughs) by defensive ends by by nose tackles every single player on the field is getting a free run at Will Levis and I don't at the rate at which it happened, I'm not sure it was he just didn't see the defender coming. Because it happened way too much. I think it was high T of like, <laughs> I'm going to show you what I'm made of. I'm going to let this defensive player just run full speed, hit me, and then I'm going to get back up and show you... Just my my true toughness look at my muscles
3: his film is fun to watch because there's some moments he he had four rushing touchdowns against louisville and he did one of those josh allen leaps that's like that's cool that's also going to get you killed if you try <laughs> right. to do that over and over again i'll say this he can make throws down the field but when i watched their film especially in 2021 when it was much better my biggest takeaway was man Wandale robinson was really good for that team <laughs> that was my that was my bigger takeaway uh they changed offensive coordinators And it didn't go so well in 2022 with Rich Scangarello, who, uh, man, that dude's had 10 jobs in the last 13 years. And he was really bad at his job this past year. All of that to say, Levis has a wide range of outcomes, I think, for some people. For me, he's just someone that I just don't feel comfortable of holding up at the next level. I don't think it's going to work. So, yeah, Jay Cutler with wheels was... Jay Cutler had a couple of moments, but for fantasy, it was like you got a top 12 season and then it was just done and he was over. So big arm, not really into it, and in a super flex, this is me personally. I'll let somebody else make the mistake.
4: Yeah, 100%. This is this reminds me of my feelings of last year, despite the NFL, or two, whatever, two years ago, despite Zach Wilson being the number two overall pick, it was, oh no, they are very, very wrong of taking Zach Wilson here. I don't really care. Does he become a value at some point? Because I don't think he's good, and that's where where Levis is for me. I like Richardson. I'm concerned, but I see what he could become. Levis, I'm just concerned.
3: Yes, let's move on. We're gonna talk about tight ends next. And uh, man, I have some I have some opinions out there. Good.
4: Tight ends.
3: Do you remember putting that together, Mike?
4: That that drop, that ripper. Oh yeah, that
3: was that was a good one. Uh, tight ends. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt uh, off the top here, but Jason actually has something he really wants to say here about tight ends. Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, hey there guys, (laughs) not to hijack the show that I'm not on, but I wanted to say a quick word about rookie tight ends. You shouldn't draft them. That's my quick word. I don't believe you should draft them. Sure. If they are falling to the third round or further in your rookie picks, absolutely draft them. But that's not where they're drafted. They're often drafted in the first round when there's hype around prospects. And this is a great tight end class as no doubt you're going to hear from these other brilliant people on the show. But I wanted to give a little bit of data to make my case as to why you shouldn't draft rookie tight ends. Well, the main reason is because over the last decade, there's been 143 tight ends drafted. And there's been five decent hits in fantasy football. And really, if we're talking about who we're drafting in rookie picks We're just talking about day one, day two guys, guys that are great prospects. Well, there's been 53 of those and five hits. That means you're getting about a 10% chance to get it right. And when you're drafted in the first round, you're at like a 50-50% chance of having a relevant fantasy player. I want to bring up 2017 very quickly. In 2017, that was a great year for tight ends. O.J. Howard was going to be a stud. David Njoku was going to be a stud. Evan Ingram was going to be a stud And Alvin Kamara was drafted behind O.J. Howard. Juju Smith-Schuster and Kareem Hunt went behind David Njoku. Cooper Cup, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Godwin, Jamal Williams, James Conner, Kenny Galladay, Chris Carson, and Deshaun Watson went behind Evan Ingram. The hit rate on these tight ends aren't that great. And yes, if you could get Travis Kelsey... That would be awesome. You're probably not going to. It's probably going to be a wasted pick, and you're going to wish you just picked up someone off of waivers. That's how I play the tight end position. And you go, well, what about tight end premium? It's the same position with the same results. That's my case. These two guys can disagree with me all you want. I just had to say my piece.
3: Jason, I I feel like I was really selfish. He just wanted to get on the show credits at the very end.
4: Uh. And so my comment is I'm in full agreement now. <laughs> like I have after the years and years and years of dynasty, I am 100% on board except when my man Jace is trying to be spurt, be Evan Ingram. I will not tolerate that. Uh, it just took a little bit of time guys. Like we had the breakout year and and now we're back.
3: What do we say? Like when, when we finish the show, we go in there and we punch a sandwich, something just to let him know we mean business.
4: We punch us, <laughs> punch his sandwich? Yeah, his
3: lunch, whatever it is. Oh, okay.
4: I thought there was some term that I was that the cool kids were using. Well now it's I'm like punch your sandwich. Today.
3: <laughs> I'm walking up to Jason's lunch and I'm gonna punch his sandwich. Whatever it is. All right. Uh I'm putting out an article soon about what we look for in breakout tight ends, so I will mostly agree it's rare. But the prospects we're talking about today, the first one is Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame, and I feel like the floor with this dude is very high and what you're going to get is probably a 10-year NFL player. That's rare to be able to say for someone that's good at a lot of stuff. I won't say great at anything. So I think athletically, you're going to be able to make arguments for Dalton Kincaid, which is Betts' boy. Um, But I just want to say this about Mayer. He's just been a stud all the way through. He's the Notre Dame leader at the tight end position in almost every major category. And Notre Dame's had some awesome tight ends. Tyler Eifert, Cole Komet. Kyle Rudolph, like, they've had big tight ends in the NFL. But he was Notre Dame's wide receiver one. He led the team in receptions receiving yards two years in a row. And get this, Mike, an NFL scout said this. He's, quote, built out of vibranium.
4: All right, well, I mean, if you're going to use nerd language like that, you can get me a little hot and bothered.
3: Yeah, he could have said adamantium, (laughs) which is fine. But vibranium is cool with me.
4: I mean, adamantium would really be the much better comparison because I don't know of – is anyone built out of vibranium?
3: Oh, God, I'm going to screw is this Is Vision
4: up. built out of vibranium? I, I think so. Okay.
3: That would be pretty cool. I'll say this. His comps, what they show up is a Greg Olson, Hunter Henry type, and I've seen some old man Jason Witten comps too, of someone that's going to be consistent in the NFL. The ceiling on Michael Mayer feels very low, but if you knew you were going to get a 10-year start in the NFL, that's going to have a couple of top five, tight end seasons like I think that's what you can get I don't mind i just
4: win win like, yeah, you're, you're four you finally get something
3: but in a rookie draft in one quarterback league I do not mind taking that shot in the mid second round he's mostly going though at the one two turn oh no so I, if he falls though then I'll be fine if he's the second tight end drafted I'll be fine but I feel like he's just an all around solid prospect I can't really poke holes other than quote he's not as athletic as we want to be yeah, true. A lot of players aren't, but I think he's solid even if he looks stiff sometimes. So. Yeah,
4: I mean, I'd prefer much more athletic tight ends. I At this point of the season of of where we don't know exactly where the wide receivers and running backs have landed in the NFL draft, I get people being more excited about Mayer and Kincaid because the the wide receiver class doesn't look as strong, but the NFL draft capital could turn things around rapidly. Uh, Michael Mayer, my biggest note on him, uh, guys, are you familiar uh, with the movie Happy Gilmore?
3: Oh, oh yes. Come
4: on. I'm just making sure. So you know there's the scene, uh, Shooter McGavin uh, at the end steals the jacket, and then uh, Happy's former boss is chasing after him, and it's just this really, he's this big monster of a man, and he has this super awkward run. That's Michael Mayer to me. He's just out there. <laughs> lumbering around i know he's getting open and making catches but it, it it looks like a struggle every step that this guy takes on the field looks like it is he's just his his feet are in cement and he i don't know i he he doesn't strike me as a guy who ever turns into a top five tight end and if i'm drafting a tight end with one of my premium rookie picks I better see that path, and I better see that path as rapidly we're going to get there. And so I'm, even though he's he's my number two rated tight end, I'm just – I'm not really interested at all.
3: I was just there on the Happy Gilmore reference. <laughs> I just went I just went there for a while. Like, meet me in Jim the parking Gilmore's. lot. Yeah. Same guy that played Jaws in James Bond. And you can Bond. bet on me. <laughs> meet, meet you in the parking lot.
4: Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's
3: Jaws. Yes. Yeah. Richard Keel. That's the name. Uh, Betts. uh What a guy. I know. So – You're more of a Dalton Kincaid guy. As
4: am I, by a lot. Really? Yes.
3: So what kind of separates those two in your mind? Dalton Kincaid uh, out of Utah, fifth-year senior, transferred from San Diego, the Toreros. uh, And he was a no-star recruit, by the way, meaning the dude played basketball. He was awesome at basketball in high school and then kind of developed later on. So you can't say the same pedigree because, I mean, Michael Mayer was a five-star recruit, but Kincaid's kind of grown into this role. He's kind of a big after-the-catch guy. Is that what more appealing at the next level for you, Betts?
5: Yeah, real quick before you move on to Kincaid, I just want to say a couple positive things about Michael Mayer. Okay. A lot of, and and I agree. Like, in general, hit rate is terrible. But there's something to be said about early breakout age, early declare, three-year player in college, and he was used—and people say he's the inline tight end. He was in the slot. He was on the perimeter. So I don't want to just say, like, he can never be fantasy-relevant— I agree it might take time and maybe like what I do for tight ends in dynasty for rookies is like we scout these guys we're excited about them but I usually let someone else draft them and then say like okay remind me in two years when they're on their second contract or about to be on their second contract trade for them on the cheap stuff like that so I like Michael Mayer as a prospect but I prefer Dalton Kincaid for the fact that he basically plays as what we look for in fantasy he has excellent hands he can play in the slot He's a move tight end who was really good with the ball in his hands after the catch. And when you watch the rest of these guys play, to me, he's really the only one that makes catches that you can see translating to the NFL for fantasy, meaning running up the middle down the seam, a full route tree, catching over defenders, just athletically gifted. And we know athleticism, yards after the catch, yards per route run are extremely predictive for fantasy success, even though the hit rate in general is terrible. The guys that do make it, that's what they have. And Dalton Kincaid has that. So... I prefer him. I mean, you mentioned not really being a coveted prospect coming out of high school. He only played one year of football in high school, so you could argue he's still kind of learning the position and everything. So, if I'm taking one this year, to me, I am taking Dalton Kincaid out of Utah.
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you, Betts. You know, the yards after catch, Kyle mentioned it. He was he's second. He's second in yards per route run, and it reminds me of the uh, a couple years back watching the the Mark Andrews year this you had Hayden Hurst and you had Mark Andrews and I vowed after that happened because I I had Mark Andrews like well above Hayden Hurst for fantasy purposes and then Hayden Hurst got drafted in the first round and and Mark Andrews fell to the second I was like well man that's that's a pretty strong argument in favor of Hayden Hurst even though with everything in me of of metrics Watching the film, Mark Andrews was more the guy who could turn into a fantasy star. I let that that I let that sway me, and I said I'm not going to do that again. So even if Michael Mayer is say a first round pick and, and Kincaid is a second or third rounder, I'm still going to prefer him because he, like Betts laid out, he just he looks more like a wide receiver, and I don't want <laughs> I don't want Jaws running down the field getting me getting me ten yards and then kind of fallen over uh, so a uh, big big uh on the Kincaid side of this class
3: yeah Kincaid was just a visit with the Packers who are 16th overall so I think he's gonna get some first round buzz I think he might go ahead of mayor um the comps that we had were like Dalton Schultz Zach Ertz on the high end I found this one super fun Dennis Pitta oh, man. was a really fun player for a hot second yeah um so I got this question I want to add this in here from Derek on Twitter how do these first two rookies, who I think we would both say are a tier above, how do they compare to Trey McBride? Who would you rather have in a dynasty Oh, league? interesting.
4: Um, I liked Kincaid's film more than Trey McBride. Uh, but for a guy to already be one year into the NFL, getting some reps, had that one game that was it, I mean, that was a really impressive game for a rookie tight end. And has opportunity because Zach Ertz knee was destroyed, on top of him already being, you know, 100% washed for the NFL.
5: So I think that that I'd lean, I lean the McBride side. Bets? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised; if none of these guys work out, truthfully. But I think I prefer Kincaid out of all of them, and then I would say probably McBride after that.
3: All right, just a couple more tight ends. I'll hit Darnell Washington, who we have in our notes, Gigantor 2.0. This dude. Is massive out of Georgia, junior five star recruit out of Las Vegas in high school. Get this as a high school freshman, he was 6'4, 228. He's been a tank. That's just, just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's been huge. But here's what we have to say about, you know, besides this uh, physical traits, like he was never the top tight end on his own team. Brock Bowers won the Mackey Award. And if you watch Georgia football, like he was the guy that they went to, Washington. Uh, You know, three touchdowns total in college is alarming. His breakout age does not exist. (laughs) We're still waiting. We're still waiting on that to happen. happen next year. (laughs) But at 4.64, based on his height and weight, like a 96 percentile speed score, he's a physical freak, and we're seeing him, you know, mocked in the first round a lot. I've seen a lot of Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the Chargers, like teams that are really fun for fantasy that I would be like, okay, then I, I would listen from a prospect evaluation standpoint and not commanding targets, that is alarming to me. And his route tree is pretty limited. But, I mean, when you're 6'7", you just throw it up. The Mo Alley Cox... The you don't Jel- need a route tree. Jelani you are Woods, the tree. You just stand, and <laughs> they will throw it to you. So, any quick thoughts on him? Because it's like, the comps are really hard when you start getting to big players, like you know the O.J. Howard, Jelani Woods on the high end. Uh, Martellus Bennett, who had some awesome years in the NFL, who was way more productive in college... So Washington is one of those players like you can't use his college production at all. Right. So do you guys have any quick thoughts?
4: I mean, he he skyrocketed up draft boards, I think, because of the combine. It was a very Anthony Richardson breakout. Like if if Richardson hadn't done what he did, Darnell Washington probably would have been the talk of of fantasy nerds across the nation of like holy crap, did you see what this giant guy did running a four six four? So that's very, very troubling that it's all athletic measurables all I'm this is a wait-and-see approach for me I'm letting the NFL tell me what they think of him the again tie, th- this tight end class is it's whatever Washington is my number three guy but I'm not I don't have like a huge conviction of like I'm, I'm all in I'm getting him in every second round I, I don't feel that way at all
3: Bets if he goes in the first round late first round early second where would you feel comfortable in a rookie draft
5: I mean, we already talked about the concerns about the position and being concerned that Michael Mayer may not work out. I mean, I would bet on Michael Mayer working out more for fantasy than I would this guy who barely caught passes. So I see him as a guy who likely is going to help an NFL team more than our fantasy lineups. A guy that you, you know, any week, if he does become a guy that we can put in our starting lineups, you're like, sweet, 25 yards and a touchdown. Hope he gets an end zone target. So he feels like a dead spot in in rookie drafts where like, if I miss on him, I'm not going to be upset at all.
3: But for pure intimidation purposes, like there's got to be an NFL team that says, I just want this guy just so we can show up at the coin toss and bring him out there just so like Monstars style, we can just bully everyone. Right. Because, I mean, he's huge.
4: I will remind you the Monstars did not win.
3: True. And they took the talent. Both times. Yeah, of the NBA players. So, yeah. um, All right, quick tight ends I want to mention. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State is getting some steam as a late first-round pick. I think he's another move tight end that I like. Uh, we'll just have to wait on draft capital. Uh, Sam Laporte out of Iowa, uh, another guy that's probably going to be a day two pick. And then Zach Coons is a pro, is a project out of Old Dominion, but he did go to Penn State. Bet. So do you have a soft spot for for him?
5: I mean, he was mostly just a special teamer at Penn State, so he had, he had to play behind the Muth. So obviously Ooh. he couldn't get Luth behind <laughs> the Muth. No, made him transfer. No one can. But um, yeah. But of these three guys, I think. I actually would prefer taking Sam Laporta over Darnell Washington if I'm talking rookie picks. Like, Laporta, I mean, has some plays on tape where you're like, oh, that guy can move with the ball in his hands. Darnell Washington (laughs) just runs in a straight line, man. There's, like, no lateral agility. So you think about tight end you, I mean, Iowa produces a ton of tight ends that know how to play. So I think he's an interesting sleeper. Maybe you get him in the back of the second, third round of your rookie draft and there's no risk associated with it. He's a guy I take over Washington.
3: You can get all of our tight ends in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, including our production profiles. But we got one more segment. Take it or leave it. We're three episodes into this thing, and I feel like this segment at the end. Some people are waiting for it because they're getting good advice. Like we shifted Dynasty waiver wires for we did. That was a good feeling.
4: The uh, the trends over on Sleeper. We mentioned three guys and all of a sudden they were the top three of trending players. Not saying it was us, but I'm not, not saying it. There
3: was you go. Last us. week we talked about players that you're clinching your butt cheeks for. So I'm sorry, Mike, you weren't there for that.
4: And I'm always clinching.
3: <laughs> I want us to end this episode uh, uh, with a dart throw. These are, this is a player that we didn't mention on the last three episodes, you know, talking about running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight end, just a player that you want to make sure, Hey, Hey, I need to say this name so I can sleep at night because I like this player, or at least I think they're intriguing. And I think we would all say the draft capital is ultimately going to dictate, of course, uh, that. So, uh, Mike, who's a player you want to throw out?
4: All right, I'll, I'll jump in, and like I said, you, uh, Betts and Borg are far more college guys. So I'm playing catch up. You know, I'm doing the. What, what do NFL scouts think of these players? Uh, Where are other? you know like-minded dynasty players how are they feeling about the incoming rookies and then doing a deeper dive you know into the to just the just hardcore statistics and nothing much else about the player but i was pulling up some targets per route run yards per route run and all this stuff and i was like Kyle do you know who Trey Palmer is because his number numbers are absolutely outrageous a 34% targets per route run 3.26 yards per route run that's those are Redunculous numbers, uh, and then you look up the fact that he's so he's six foot one ninety two. He ran a four three three. So like these are there's very very interesting things about Trey Palmer. You don't like that he was at LSU and he's like ah peace out. I I'm not getting the run I need, so I need to go to Nebraska. Not sorry, Nebraskans. I'm not trying to dunk on your franchise, but if you're if you're at LSU in the uh, SEC and you got to bail out it's it's not the best look uh but his just his production profile while he played in nebraska is just it's green across the board green as can be hitting all of the thresholds that we like to see for uh current pros what they did in college fast has size he's just he is a very very interesting uh incoming rookie here at least from a analytics perspective.
3: No, I think that's the right approach. Of he hits all the boxes. Why did he transfer? You know, you got to go through all those things. But intriguing, forty six percent Dominator rating in ours is that's
4: ridiculous.
3: Is amazing. So yes, he checks those boxes that you want to mention. Bets, you have another wide receiver that uh, is one of the few big guys.
5: Yeah, and I think that's why he's getting some love in the NFL draft as a potential day two pick. So maybe round two, round three. So we'll see what happens. But Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss is a guy that I think is getting love because, like you said, there's so many small wide receivers in this class. The top ones are all you know five ten, five eleven, and they're they're skinny. Jonathan Mingo six two two twenty. Um, I think is something that the NFL likes. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. Ran a four four six at that size is ninety six percentile speed score. We talk about all the time. That matters a lot more for running backs, but at least when you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to throw a dart in a rookie draft, the guy's athletic. Maybe he'll get a day two draft capital. Uh We'll see. But only had the one-year production, which is a concern, and he was a four-year player, which we don't love. So low likelihood, but a guy to, to keep on your radar. And Mingo was his name
3: You were waiting for the yeah, it was. <laughs>
5: there it was. I saw Mike getting ready to say <laughs> though, and I thought maybe he has this great insight on this guy's tape I did, or something. But it was just me going, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Go. And that's even better.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver out of Maryland. Um, the dude's probably gonna be a fringe day two, day three pick. And he's more of an athlete than I think an actual receiver, but has some kick return experience. Early declare, six foot, uh, measured at two hundred pounds on his pro day, so at least there's something there. Um and Maryland's an interesting college where you know, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore. Uh, my boy, Chica Conquo. Super
4: dope jerseys.
3: That's For real. So he's just a name to monitor. And then last name, I think I just need to say Evan Hole out of Northwestern. Sure. Um, 54 receptions last year. That's a 98 percentile mark. When we look at running backs, that's tied with Saquon from his 2017 season. So 5'10", 209. He hit a lot of the production marks we want at Northwestern. And could there be a team that uses him – as a third down back somewhere, he gets some some love and you know ends up being a player on the um you know on the depth chart that moves up. So draft capital totally matters here. Evan Hole could be a you know fourth round pick. He could be undrafted. Like there, there's a wide range of outcomes. But those are some players that we just wanted to make sure are on your on your radar. And Mike says this after the draft, after the NFL draft, after your rookie draft, scoop up these Yo, kind of yes. players. Scoop yes. them up because there are players on the end of your bench in Dynasty that should not be there. That should be punted to a bridge and uh, should not be here at all. That's going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. Next week, we'll be talking rookie draft strategy. Thank you for
4: tuning in, everybody. Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast. See you next time. Goodbye.
2: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the FantasyFootballers.com.
0: Or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long.